All right, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to welcome Colin Casey. Colin, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me so much. Uh, Thank you. you. Know, it's great to be here and chat about cars with you. Yeah. Now, you, uh, you, I just want to get right into it. You own Pinnacle Advanced Driving Academy. Yes, I'm one of the co-owners of Pinnacle Advanced Driving Academy. Okay. So we're a performance driving school uh, that does a whole bunch of stuff. But uh, basically, our whole reason for existing is we want to introduce car people to the world of high-performance driving and to a further extent, motorsports. Right. So our bread and butter course is an intro to performance driving. So the idea is a full day. We do it at Toronto Motorsports Park, a very safe track for beginners. We like running it there. Mm-hmm. And the idea is you come out for a full day, get some classroom stuff, get the theory, all those sort of things. On the smaller development track uh, or on the big one. Sorry, this is at... at um, Mossport? No, at Cayuga. Or, oh, Cayuga. Sorry, yeah, my yeah, bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, so at Cayuga, so we do the full track there. Uh, right. It's, again, very safe for beginners. Mm. Uh, the driver development track at Mosport is very safe as well, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. we find uh, Cayuga is a little easier for beginners to kind of climatize to because you don't have the elevation changes like DDT does. Right, right, right. But, uh, yeah, we have a great relationship with the owner, so that kind of works out in our favor too. And, mm-hmm. you know, we give him a lot of business. He helps us out and works out great. Right. But, uh, yeah, so we do a full-day course. The idea is you get some classroom instruction in the morning, get the theory application, mm. things like that, um, and then you get to go and track for us today with an instructor, go through some very specific exercises, a little bit of open lapping at the end of the day to tie it all together, and uh, you leave uh, really tired and, and with a big smile on your face. Right, <laughs> and then hopefully knowing a lot more than what you initially came into. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. That, that's kind of the idea, especially with uh, newbies. A lot of times, you know, they don't know what they don't know. Right. And that's right. one of the big things we kind of focus on with the beginner course. Now, do you find that, you know, that even though you're track oriented and, and focusing on performance and whatnot, do you find that after you leave that day that you'll take have a lot to take home for everyday driving as well? Like, do you yes. recommend people that are driving every day on the road to do something like this? Because... Just based off of my experience, I find that a lot of people don't know how to, I want to say 99% of the people don't know how to set up their mirrors or (laughs) their seats. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, Well, I guess to answer that question kind of twofold, uh, first off, a little more in my background. So obviously I run Pinnacle. Um, Mm. I do have a big performance driving background. I've been competing in motorsports for uh, about 16, 17 years now, I think. Wow. So uh, everything from go-karting to time attack, autocross, things like that. Right, right, right. but in spite of that, uh, I've still been doing uh, regular driver instruction as well. So mm. um, for about the past, I'd say 11, 12 years, um, I've been doing defensive driving instruction. I also did uh, tactical driving with the police and military. Nice. Uh, we've done just a whole whack of different things. The performance driving side has always been my passion, though. So that's why right. I, I built a business around that because uh, the other stuff w- w- was cool and, and you learn a lot and networking and things like that. But, mm. uh, you know, i getting on track and really putting all those skills to a performance application was my thing. Mm. Now, with that being said, yes, absolutely. Everybody should um, do a performance driving course to learn how to drive in general. Because the thing I found with all the different facets of driving I've taught, at the end of the day, I'm still teaching the same thing in every course. It's just Mm. a slightly different take on it and different application to the same basic principles. Mm. Because driving is driving. It's Mm -hmm. physics, right? Plain and simple and then skills applied and that's all it is. It's just 
what do you want to do with your driving? Do you want to be safe? Do you want to save gas? Do you want to set a lap time? Do you want to, you know, chase down bad guys? Do you want to do a pit maneuver? Whatever it is. So the idea is driving is driving. Mm. Now, the thing is with that, we do talk about that a little bit in our course. Like we say, this course is designed specifically around high performance applications. Mm -hmm. But that being said, all these skills we're going to teach you are still 100% applicable on the street. Mm. So the biggest thing we always start off with in the beginner course, and this is the most important thing you learn in performance driving and any driving for that matter, is your vision. So mm. we do a lot of specific exercises around vision. We talk about the theory, the whys and the hows, um, how to actually use your eyes properly when going through corners, through traffic, all kinds of things. So everything we teach in the course, again, applies right to the street. Right. So yes, absolutely. Everybody should be taking at least a beginner course to performance driving. Right. It would dramatically change the behavior of drivers on the road. Right. Just in terms of a, a safety element alone. Mm. And the younger, the younger you go into it, the better absolutely. it will be for you because kind of hard to teach an old dog new tricks sometimes it is sometimes it's not but but right. yeah yeah to your point exactly uh the, the sooner you learn you know you get a good foundation from day one it's great mm. like we take students as young as 14 years old oh wow yep so we've had 14 year olds uh, come out take our course um it's quite often because their parents will take it with their cool sports car mm. and then they think it's the coolest thing ever and they're like hey well you know my son or daughter should learn how to do this stuff now they understand the the, the street applications right right like, right absolutely so um we had two summers ago, we had a uh, police officer come out with his uh, brand new um, WRX STI. Nice. Came out, took a course, had a blast, thought it was cool, started doing some tracking stuff, but had so much fun in the first course. He's like, hey, my son just turned 14. Like, when can I sign him up? Like, when he's 16? And we're like, well, actually, no, our insurance allows us at 14. So you technically bring him out now. Wow. So he was like, done, sign him up. So we signed up his son that day, uh, got him out. So it was like next month, I think it was the course he signed him up for. Came out brought the uh the sti out again it's a six-speed manual oh so this sweet. kid had never driven a car in his life never driven a manual <laughs> and the first time he did it was in an sti on a track <laughs> yeah absolutely holy shit so he came out so <laughs> then uh you know you're with an instructor all day so that certainly helped yeah, but then yeah. uh yeah we stuck him with one of our really good instructors and uh they worked with him a little bit in the standard part first in the parking lot just getting used to that part obviously mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then of course do the classroom stuff and then i uh, went on on track and by the end of the day, he wasn't exactly setting a blistering lap time, which isn't the goal of our no. intro course anyway. Right. But uh, the point was, you know, he started off obviously just scared to death the first couple of sessions in the morning, understandably. Yeah. But no, by the end of the day, he was very comfortable with the car. He was actually driving very good around the track, setting like a reasonable lap time for, you know, the situation. Like it was, it was very impressive how well right. he did on his first day. Wow. And uh, the dad was ecstatic, right? Because he was hanging out for the day and stuff and, uh, you know, just seeing the progress the kid was making and he, he was just floored mm. by the end of the day what his son could do. And, uh, you know, it was just really, really cool to, to see that happen, right? Right. But that kid's going to have really, really good, um, you know, strong foundation uh, with the basics right from day one. So yeah. when he gets his license when he's 16, you know, he's going to be a lot safer and he's going to know what he's doing and it's, it's, it's going to be great. Good habits and then you respect speed and you know what you're doing more so than just let's mat it and see what this thing can do type of thing, right? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. He's almost some knowledge and that's the most important thing. Right. Now, yeah. do you, I'm assuming that people would bring their own cars in. Yeah. So for our courses, uh, most people bring their own cars. Right. We do have the option to rent cars to come in, like some race cars from some of our partners. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't happen too often because that obviously ups the cost quite a bit. Right. Right. Uh, right. The course itself is quite cost effective. Uh, retails about four twenty five. We have discounts running at different times. That's not bad. No, it's not bad at all for a full day. Includes your lunch and everything too. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, to rent the car adds a bit more. 
But uh, so the average person definitely brings their own car, mm-hmm. which we suggest anyway, because it's the car you're going to drive, you know, to the track on your own or every day or whatever. It's your car. Mm-hmm. And every car, obviously, as I'm sure everybody knows, it has their own nuances. Every car is a little different. Mm. So, you know, great to learn your car because that's the one you're going to be driving most of the time. Yeah, because you're going to be nervous if you get thrown into a random car that you've never driven in your life. You don't really know the mechanisms on how it works, what goes where. and Exactly. I mean, especially nowadays, everything has a button for sport button, <laughs> this and that, right? And Yes. Yeah, I I get that. Now, when when it comes to automotive, your your entire I don't want to say like your entire career is focused around automotive. So you are also a part of a new show that you just launched. Yes, yeah. So that's uh, Track Attack Canada is the name of the media company we launched this year. Mm-hmm. Our first show, uh, we're planning a few of them, but uh, the first one we have is called Track Attack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, without mincing words, it's basically a, a ripoff of Top Gear, essentially. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the idea is we go on track, we do like, you know, subjective review of a couple of cars, uh, you know, talk about why we're kind of comparing them, whether it be performance, price, mm. whatever have you. And uh, then we'll, we'll do some hot laps with them. We have a leaderboard, things like that. We usually do some autocross as well as a little fun extra element. Right. And we'll do drag races, of course. Right. And uh, we just try to have fun while doing it. And the biggest thing is you want to try to impart the experience of, of the cars to the viewer. So, you know, we're going to show which car's faster and all that stuff. Like, which is the right. typical. Everybody wants to see that. But, uh, you know, hopefully we come across and say, hey, like we're driving, you know, the the Porsche GT4 this season we reviewed and I was talking a lot about the the driving experience of it and how you know mm. the handling is, is very natural and the way it rotates and all kinds of things like that and just saying right. like I mean anybody can say yeah GT4 is amazing goes through corners well well yeah. you kind of assume that's a GT4 but you know hopefully in the video we talk about like well this is why corners good and this is why it's fun and this is why maybe it's not fun or, mm. or what have you right and, and this is why the engine's really cool and the transmission sucks because the gears are too long and so forth and so forth and, right you know we just try to have fun with it at the end of the day and do some goofy stuff and uh yeah so the first season we have um six episodes on our channel on youtube cool and uh they've done well got some views we're pretty happy with what we've done so far but uh yeah we got big plans for season two and uh, lots of fun stuff coming down the pipe and uh, it's been a fun adventure so far. Right. Now, what what do you drive? Just so I know what a driving driving instructor drives. <laughs> because I'm, a, I'm always curious to see what these guys drive. I'm assuming, I mean, daily's a daily, which we can also get into. But, yeah, yeah. you know, when it comes to your fun cars, I don't know how many cars you have. But yeah. we can go through all of them if you want. I don't care. <laughs> um, but I'm just curious. What what makes you? Uh, what makes you? Yeah. You? Um, I like to think I have a bit of an interesting, you know, collection. Um I, uh, I think I definitely have a very unique taste when it comes to cars. I'm very, I don't know, I'm very picky and very anal. I don't have a problem expressing my opinion with cars. I like that. It takes a lot to impress me when it comes to a car. I think just because I'm too picky, frankly, mm-hmm. uh, I've been very fortunate through my job. I've gotten to driven pretty much everything under the sun and on mm-hmm. track. So mm-hmm. I have a, a good wealth of experience to draw upon. So that being said, uh, one of my favorite cars I own, I have two of them, so I don't have a big giant fleet or anything, but one of the best things I've ever driven, which is why I own it, is the Alfa Romeo 4C. Mm. So I have a 2015 coupe. Um, I I bought that because I had a Lotus Exige before that. Nice. uh, A 260, one of the final editions. Yeah. And um, the reason I like that car is just the the very raw um, driving experience of it all. Um, you know, if you've ever driven, I, I believe you were one of the episodes you'd mentioned. You'd yeah, I've driven it. It's yeah. Ugh, so it's, it's like a go kart it. on steroids yeah. and it's, it's a very, you know, engaging driving experience to say the least. Yeah. It's the fastest thing on track, but for me, I don't care so much about that. It's like, very connected. That's like it. you feel very, very connected. It's very, very raw, even though it's a Toyota engine. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an amazing car. I love it. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. So 
I ended up selling mine at one point and then kind of kicking myself in the butt and wanted to get one again. But that was after all the, the new ones were gone. Right. And then I uh, looked at the used market and that's when they started going up. Mm. So, which sucks because I sold mine right before it went up, of course. So of go course. figure, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, then they're like, going for like msrp like a like brand new price for used ones and then sometimes even more yeah and i'm thinking i'm not paying that much for one of those like i refuse to mm-hmm. so hunted around for a couple of years and then uh you know couldn't find one that, that sort of worked for my budget so i mentioned was going to try and look at a used Divorce s because still lotus not quite as raw yeah yeah, yeah. but uh, i drew them obviously and, and still a really engaging experience right still lotus right the clutch is very, very low on those. I yeah. mean, at least the one that I drove, it just like, it engages like this. Like it if does. you don't grab it right away, you'll stall it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so it's funny. So I was thinking, okay, fine. I'll kind of compromise and go check out one of those. I was driving down to Oakville mm. to go look at a used one one day. And, um, I drove by the Alfa Romeo lot, uh, on the way there and kind of was thinking, geez, I've never driven a 4C it. They just come out. Mm-hmm. And I remember I always thought they're really cool because they're like very much like like the Elise Exige sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but I don't know for some reason the numbers on paper never really grabbed me. Like I just thinking, well, it's not quite as light as the Exige, and the power is so so, and you know, it's got a turbo motor, and it's just, I don't know. It just but then I'm thinking, hey, like I've never driven one. Let's just go in and see if I can sneak a test drive on yeah, one. You know, yeah, yeah. so I, I pull in, go to the dealership. Sales guy approaches me. He's really nice and friendly. So I'm saying, hey, you know, like thinking of looking at a four C. Um, you know, have, have a sports car track background and this car kind of appeals to me and I'm sitting there just, you know, no intention of buying one cause I'm just shooting the shit and just trying to get a test drive just for yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so I'm talking to the guy for maybe a minute and then, uh, I think I'd mentioned something about, I'd come from a, a Lotus Exige and the guy goes, holy cow, you used to own a Lotus and you're one, you have to drive the 4C and tell me how it compares. I'm thinking, well, that was easy, right? Like, <laughs> done. You know, cause the 4C is so rare and stuff. I'm thinking they're probably not going to test drive it. Right? right. 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 But anyway, yeah. So like. Like a minute in, then the guy's like, oh, let's go grab one for a test drive. And I'm thinking like, so are we going to talk numbers? Like, like, what are we doing here? This is weird. But mm-hmm. anyway, so we take one for a spin and I swear to God, 30 seconds in the test drive. I'm going, holy crap, I'm going to buy this car. Really? Oh, yeah. Like it was just so, so much better than I anticipated. Now, like, what was, what what stood out um, after 30 seconds, which is <laughs> yeah. hard to find a <laughs> yeah. car that you'll just have all the check marks go off. Yeah. Well, I guess the, the short answer, it was just so much like the Lotus Exige, mm. like in terms of so raw, so pure, because it has pure rack and pinion steering right off the bat. Like mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm, you can't mm-hmm. find that in a modern car besides the Lotus. Right. Um, so that obviously, you know, you feel every every pebble in the road. Um, you're very low. It's a very light chassis with the carbon tub and everything. So it just felt very much like the Exige, but it had like that little bit of a supercar flair to it. Right, the right, inside's right. actually nice. You right. know, the Exige, it's like bare metal. And it looks like a race car. And As we're... Yeah. The build quality is garbage <laughs> and like, you know, it stalls at lights and like it's ridiculous, right? Where this thing actually was like a nice car. Like you could just... Right kind of drive it around and you know had a nice interior and the outside looked all sexy and italian and i'm right. thinking like you know and then the engine was you know pretty peppy for stock like especially because the torque that the exige doesn't have mm. and then uh the other thing too was i didn't want the four c because it had the dual clutch and i wanted a manual every sports car I've ever owned in my life was a manual same yeah. but that being said the dual clutch in the four c is surprisingly good even on the street mm. so that surprised me too like how nice it drove and it was smooth and you know like pdk like porsche because everyone compares to yeah the pdk right? exactly it's not as good as a porsche because nothing is right um but that being said it was still way better than i anticipated like it drove mm-hmm. nice and then mm-hmm. obviously after i bought it went on track on track it's it's really really good too but yeah it was just so much like the exige but like in a, in a sexier package right mm-hmm. so i'm just like holy crap like this is what i've been looking for right right, right. so and then uh, you know the tuning potential is a little better than the exige too because you got a turbo motor you have a better chassis obviously so yeah, i was yeah. like cool so uh we go back to the dealer start talking numbers and 
and there's one sitting in the showroom that's specced exactly how I'd want it. And the guy's kind of like, yeah, this is a 15, you know, it's like last year's model and we're trying to get rid of it, like give you a good deal. And I'm like, okay, what can you do? And <laughs> talk some numbers and it was a really good price for what it was. And right. I'm thinking like, geez, like, like this is too good to be true. So the guy, of course, you know, signed papers today. I'm like, no, no, like I always take a day to buy like $100,000 car. I'm not buying it on the spot, right? Right, right, right. But then, uh, yeah, sure enough, I went home and like I woke up in the morning and like all I could think about was that car. So right. I just called him up and said, screw it. I'm coming down today. I'll put some money on it. Let's just sign the deal. Let's, you know, right, right. and I bought it and never regretted it. It was just, you know, fantastic driving experience. It's just every single time you drive it, it just puts a smile on your face. Really? Unlike other cars do because it's so raw. It's so pure. Um, even mine, I have an aftermarket intake on mine, for example, a couple of small mods on it. And mm-hmm. just the intake alone, the turbo noises it makes is just bonkers. Really? Oh, it's insane. Yeah. Like it sounds like there's literally a tornado in the car when you give it boost. It's the coolest <laughs> thing ever. And then, uh, you know, the exhaust is great from the factory. So it's quirky as well. Oh, extremely. Yeah. And very much like Lotus, you have to crawl down into it and get over the sill. Like it's the right, same thing. Right, you got to right. crawl out, look like an idiot. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the uh, the trunk space, you can fit a duffel bag in the back and that's it. There's no front trunk. Like it's just such a weird, impractical, special car. I love it. No, I, I have to ask the question just because I hear consistently. I've never driven an Alpha, mm-hmm. but I always hear about mechanical issues and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. So I have to touch on it. <laughs> yeah, that always How, comes up. What, what is it like? So this is the funny thing. Uh, I'll give you a bit of context before I even answer the question. So mine's a 15. <laughs> I've had it since brand new. Right. Um, I have about 76,000 kilometers in mine. I think wow, mine's the highest kilometer one in Canada, I believe. Wow. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. Good for well, you. That's why I bought it. Like it's, right. it's not a trailer. Queen. Yeah. And most of those kilometers are on track or autocross or doing something performance driving. Right. So it's had the living snot beaten out of it. Good. Um, that being said, I've never had a real issue with it aside from uh, a turbo hose popping off and you just clamp it back on. You're done. Wow. Um, that that's about the worst I've had. Well, actually, that's a lie. And then my factory blow-off valve did let go um, two years ago now, I think. And that was a very cheap, easy fix. That's impressive, though. That's it. That's impressive for you beating the crap out of it. Oh, absolutely. Tracking absolutely. like most of those miles being tracked, and then just nothing. Yeah, and no, I find that's more surprised than me. Trust me. Well, <laughs> it's it, it's weird because I find that for performance cars, if you drive the crap out of it, they're more reliable than if you just drive it like a hybrid type of thing like a prius yeah they're kind of meant to be driven yeah right and yeah. if you're not you know it's like hussein bolt not running ever just <laughs> going for a daily walk it's yeah. just ugh, something yeah. doesn't really add up to that that that's it right so yeah no fingers crossed it's been really good um i have like a mild tune on intake and exhaust now and mm. some wheels and tires so it's, it's not heavily modified but uh even in spite of that like i said it everything's held up beautifully mm. so yeah no complaints like i said it's been it's been worth every penny I've spent on it. It's been nice. Awesome. Yeah. Did you did you time it on the on Cayuga? Uh, yeah, I have lap times all the place with it. And stuff. What's your uh, best for now? Um, at Cayuga, my best is what I got one one nineteen seven. I think is the best with it right now. One nineteen seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fast. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the car doesn't make a lot of power, but it's really light. Mm-hmm. So obviously, mm-hmm. it's not too bad down the street. We well, have a lot of corners. Cayuga is a track with a lot of corners and only one massive straight. So that's exactly it. It's you need a car that old corner because if you have like something like a vet, you're just going to go squirrely if you. Yeah. The, yeah. Like, yeah. It's a little harder to use the power at Cayuga and you don't get a ton of gains with it either. So yeah, the four C does well there. Right. Uh, my favorite track is DDT with the four C because it's such a flowing track mm. that, uh, and again, there's like no straightaways there. So the four C is just awesome there. You can keep up the supercars all day because you're yep. just all corners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You go to the big track with the four C and then it's like, it can get scary. <laughs> yeah. It's just, down the straightaway. You're just getting passed by everything. It's crazy. Right. Right. But, uh, but it's just the fun factor of that car is what appealed to me. So it was great. Right. Um, 
And then what's what's the next car? You see you have two? <laughs> yeah. So the other car is the exact opposite end of the spectrum. Um, matter of fact, I just picked it up a few weeks ago. So I got a uh, 2019 Camaro ZL11 LE. Oh, wow. So, yeah, which is obviously, you know. As not, stiff as a pogo stick. Yeah, and a big, heavy <laughs> muscle car, essentially. But, uh, yeah, in that route, because I figured I already have the experience car, I wanted something that I could go, like, set blistering lap times mm-hmm. in and go have fun doing that. So, um, yeah, so I picked up one of those recently, got uh, a 19 with like 7,000 kilometers and got sick deal on it and, mm. and it's like brand new. So, um, yeah, it's sitting in storage right now. Just, you know, I'm dying to get it out in the spring and have some fun with it. And they're, they only come in stick, right? Uh, until the 2020, I believe you can get the, the new 10 speed auto. Right. But, uh, yeah, for, uh, the, all the first couple of years, it was a six speed. Mine's a six speed as well. Cause mm. again, you know, given the option, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that that was the car that changed my view on American cars because I just, I, I drove a Viper. I drove an old, old, I think it was a C5 vet. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, but they just, they were too squirrely, too yeah. much torque. I just couldn't handle the power. Yeah. Also, I was very, very young at the time. But then when I drove, I think it was a 2014, 2015 ZL11 LE. Yeah. My friend said, take this on ramp doing 120. And I'm like, no. Yeah. I'm going to go into a wall. He's like, no, no, no. Trust me, do it. And then I did it doing 140. <laughs> yeah. Which blew my mind. But then again, you have like 315s on the rear and yeah. it's just terribly well balanced. Yeah. And then the no lift shift aspect that yeah, yeah. blew my mind. I've never known that a car could actually even do that. So. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's really cool. And uh, like, and obviously that's the, the fifth generation Camaro. Uh, mine is the sixth generation, which honestly is a big leap even from that one. Like the performance is still like a huge step from that one even. Right. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's amazing. Like, cause yeah, when we were younger, the, the domestics were great straight line cars, but mm. road course, you're like, yeah, whatever, buddy. Mm-hmm. Doing your Mustangs and stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. Like last like, like decade, and especially last five years, like there's some crazy stuff coming out of like gm and ford and all kinds of stuff i mean yeah they really stepped it up i mean for me it's a 350r that's yep i can't stop talking about it and i hate the fact that i i love it because i'm not a fan of mustangs at all but the engine the engine that car is magic right yeah yeah the engine but you know what it's got the right seats the right shifter it's got it's very very for a modern car it's analog it's Mm -hmm. weird it's not bad for a driver's car, I have to say, because I was contemplating doing a 350R instead of the Camaro. Right. Um, it's just bang for the buck. The Camaro was just the better buy. Like, it's cheaper and, and it's way faster. Right. But that being said, I was really torn because, like, I've driven the R's and the regular 350s a lot in track, and it's the engine. It's just, like, I love that engine to death. And it's naturally aspirated, which blows my mind. Exactly. And it's, uh... Yeah, it's just like the, the, the Ford GT3 in that sense, the high-revving engine. And right. Yeah, it's awesome. But... Um, yeah, like I said, so I was kind of torn for a bit which one to get, and I was looking at both of them for a few months, and, and yeah, again, like you can't go wrong with either one. Put it that mm-hmm. way; they're both mm-hmm. amazing on track. You're gonna have a lot of fun, and uh, and they're fast. Like they put down really good lap oh, times. Oh, I know. Yeah, especially for the money, like it's it's crazy. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, anybody who has one, they're lucky. Are you are you planning on replacing the uh, 4C anytime soon? No, the plan was like when I bought that was was to keep it because. Like you're never really going to see anything like that again, unless mm-hmm. you're going to spend like obscene amounts of money for like an atom or something ridiculous, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I mean, to, to have a carbon tub, little mini sort of supercar, it's like doesn't exist anymore, right? So I plan on keeping as long as I can for sure, because mm-hmm. um, it's just very special and it's one of those cars too. It's awesome. You drive around in it, and, and like nobody knows what it is unless they're a real car guy. Mm-hmm. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, is that a Lotus? Oh, is that a Ferrari? And you know, and then people. I'm wow. assuming it's red. It's red. Yeah. Okay. Of yeah. It has to be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's nuts. Like people walk up and they're like, oh, is that a Ferrari? Is that like a $500,000 car? And you're like, sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, cool. If you think that, I'll, I'll go with that, right? Like you kind of live that cheater supercar lifestyle on a budget, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's fun, right? 
Hmm. That's crazy. Now, now when uh, those both of those cars corner very well, so I'm assuming that you're a guy that prefers cornering versus straight line power. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm all about the road course stuff. I actually started my motorsports career as a teenager doing drag racing. Did that uh, a little bit competitively uh, for a couple of years. Oh wow! When I was younger, then there was no horsepower and stuff like that. Like and, in like a like a Fox body Mustang type of thing or no, I was import even then. So I had, uh, I had like some MR2s. I had a, a oh, super nice. turbo. I had, uh, you had a super turbo. Nice. A third gen turbo. Yeah. And I modded it and stuff and was running like, like mid low thirteens back in the day, which back then was like ridiculously fast. Nowadays yeah, yeah. it's like a family sedan. <laughs> but back then I was just like, Oh, I'm running thirteens. I'm so fast. And, uh, you know, I used to compete against the Mustangs and, you know, and that's when the import scene was kind of starting to come around. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the Mustang guys were like, Oh, you're in a, an import. You can't beat me, you know, and the civics, unless you spent a ton of money, yeah. you usually couldn't. But, uh, with the Supra, it didn't take much in mods to, to keep up or pass the Mustang. So mm-hmm. it was kind of fun to be that kind of underdog at the time. Mm-hmm, and, uh, yeah, but I did that for a couple of years and, problem was i found it got boring quick because you know you you master your launch you don't miss a shift car runs your time you're done mm. i just felt it uh it just wasn't challenging enough i guess i don't know it wasn't enough room for growth so then um a few years later a friend of mine introduced me to autocross and uh did one event and i was hooked ever since and then right. started doing that and karting and everything else under the sun and then you know, it's been a been a fun journey ever since, right? Now, you, you since you've done dragging, I want to touch on that because I was actually hoping to touch on this with another friend of mine. But since you've done it professionally, I thought I'd ask you: the common misconception when you go dragging mm-hmm. is green light, floor it, and off we go. Yeah, but we know that that's definitely not the case. There's no, there's a bit more to it than that. <laughs> a lot more. So, yeah, how would you best describe that process? Just in case, just so people are aware. Because that's the thing. What it's nice to learn something, yeah, right. And I find that a lot of people think, oh, drag racing, you just floor it and go. No, you know, by the time your mind—I said this before—I I don't know how I said it, but by the time your mind registers the green light, mm-hmm. and then by the time you tell your foot to go, yeah, you've lost the race. You've lost a lot of time because yeah, yeah. even though it's you know tenths of a second, it's still a lot of time lost. So, oh, do yeah. you go on the third light before the green? the third yellow before the green or how do you do it? Or, I mean, tell me. Yeah, no, good question. So, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. obviously driver and car, like any former motorsport, of course. Right. So, uh, in drag racing, I mean, at the end of the day, and that's what made me bored about it was it's more, more in the car than the driver, in my opinion. Mm. But, but that being said, in terms of the driver, uh, it's all about the launch, right? Like right. you launch is everything in drag racing. After that, I mean, you have to get your shifts right if you're not driving an automatic, but, uh, the hard part is the launch. So like, like you had mentioned, the timing is everything. So, if you're going to get like, you know, the perfect launch, you have to obviously kind of anticipate the green light and kind of jump on it. So you're on it at the green, not react when you see it. Mm. Cause like you said, like tenths and drag racing are, are eternity, right? Like a 10th is everything in any form of motorsport, frankly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, if you're going to run uh, an 11, five or a 12 flat, I mean, that's a big gap on the straight and, and your launch can easily make that difference. Yeah. And then some, so I don't, I never really had like a specific timing of the light. So anytime I try a different car, I would have to sort of learn the car. Right. Um, just like in, in road course driving, every car is different. So, you know, every car would, would hook a little differently at the line. Every car would, you know, kind of jump a little quicker, a little harder, a little less, whatever. So, cause you can't just floor it either if you have a lot of horsepower, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, well, good examples like the, the Camaro I purchased, you can't just floor that off the line, yeah. you know, unless you're running drag radials and you have a prepped surface and so forth. But uh, on the street tires, you can't just mat it, right? Right. You'll light the tires up off the line. You so, ease into it. Yeah. So it's about, you know, kind of finding the right RPM to launch it at. 
you know, how hard do you launch it off the line? Like, do you kind of slip the clutch a hair? Do you just dump it? Like, like what do you do? Because that matters too. Uh, and then from there, again, how quickly can you get to full throttle? Because again, mm-hmm. you can't just mat it because you light the tires up, but you want to get to full throttle as soon as possible, obviously. So, you know, that, that process and feeling the grip and, and learning how fast you can do it, every run changes, every day the track's different. So you really have to start to learn how to be very, you know, aware and, and, and read you know, the track, read the car that day, that, you know, even the air temperature changes your drag runs every time. So there's a lot of variables at play. So I, I know I tried to really understand the variables back then, like what does affect your times? Like mm. is it tires, is it temperature, is it humidity, so forth, <laughs> so forth, literally. Yeah. And then you got to start figuring out how to, you know, one by one systematically uh, figure out those variables throughout the day whenever you go compete. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's something I used to sort of focus on heavily when I, I, I drag race with more than anything. Because mm. once the car is kind of set up and running, I mean, the, the car is the car, right? Mm. Now it's like, what can you do with that car? And that's what it comes down to. Mm. So, you know, whenever you look at like, you know, pro drag racing and everybody's like, oh yeah, exactly. You just go up the floor and not a skill. I'd argue it's definitely a lot easier than road racing, hmm. which is why I kind of got bored of it. But that being said, like the guys who are good at it, like they're good at it. And, and you know, they will beat the average Joe who shows up all day, every day without even trying, <laughs> Right. you know, off the line and putting down successful times and things like that. Cause that's a funny thing. I always find, um, you know, we even run into this quite often with our, our show track attack and, you know, being in the world of performance driving, you hear this all the time that, you know, you pick any car, like, I don't know, a Porsche GT3 and they go, well, Motor Trends says the GT3 runs X amount of time in the quarter mile. Therefore, that's what that car runs consistently under any condition, drag strip, street, doesn't matter. And you're like, dude, that's not even, no, like that's not how that works, right? Like if Motor Trend recorded that time, you know how they did that? Like they did a whole bunch of runs, mm. right? And they average. played with tire pressures, they did a bunch of stuff, and that's usually the best run they did. Uh-huh. Some publications will use an average. A lot of them will actually pick the best. So for example, you know, maybe like, you know, we'll run 10 runs in this car throughout the day and we'll play with tire pressures and try different things, obviously, and try to get the best time we can. But then, you know, like times could vary anywhere from call 12 flat to like 11, two, right. Based on how, how we're learning the car, how the setup was set up, whatever. So I'm not going to publish the 12, zero time. I'm going to publish, yep, this car runs in 11, two. But Mm. the thing is it took, you know, a professional driver, 10 attempts with a crew set in the car up to get to that time. Mm. So the average guy is not going to buy his GT3, pull up beside a guy at the light and go, well, my car runs 11.3, yours runs 11.8. Therefore, I'm going to beat you at this traffic light. No, that's not how it works. Not mm-hmm. even close. Um, I remember back when uh, when I used to work uh, with Thomas at Throttle House, when we used to you know do drag races, it was fun. We did uh, one of the, the best episodes we did, of course, I think has like tons of views now. It's a couple million views, was the uh, Dodge Demon episode. Mm. So we did Dodge Demon versus uh, BMW M5 competition. Oh, so typical thing. We did drag racing, road course, blah, 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 blah. Right. Demon was, was a hoot. I got to say to drive around road course though. Like that was, really? it was on the drag radials, like from the factory. Right, so right. That thing, it's not a road course tire at all. No. So it was like driving a waterbed through the corners. Like it was so wallowy and it was just, yeah, yeah. Well, so it's much a, power. It's and, an FCA product. Yeah. So, but well, sorry. Uh, so is the alpha, but I'm talking, it's a Chrysler <laughs> product. Let's just say that. True. Yeah. yeah. But then so the funny thing is quarter mile time. Let's face it. You aren't super far off because the demon runs like, was it like low tens? I think factory. Mm-hmm. And then the, the M5, I think is supposed to be high 11 or, or sorry, low 11 high 10 i think or mm-hmm, something like that f90 like the new 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 m5 the, the new one right yeah. right right so you know in theory the demon should win mm. but what we did is we always did our drag racing on the one straightaway, like on the racetrack not the drag strip right because uh you know if you want to look up like published times in these cars they're everywhere on the internet it's not hard to find so we're like but what happens if you roll up to a guy at a traffic light on the street with street pressures you know, right hit you your tires like this is a real world scenario right because it, if for those who who don't know um you step outside of your car on a drag strip, your shoes are sticking. 
yes. to the ground. Yeah. So Boom, that's why off. that's why this is a big difference. I just absolutely. thought I'd note that. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's good you mentioned that. Yes, exactly. The the launch, you know, box there at the drag strip is prepped, right? It's got like a sticky stuff on it. It's a different type of, of pavement, concrete mm. sort of stuff. And it, it's it's made to be super sticky. Nowhere right. in the street you're ever gonna come close to that amount of traction. No. So, you know, we did a bunch of races down the straightaway and uh, the M five is all wheel drive you know, and running street tires and street pressures. And man, like that thing just launches so hard in launch mode where the demon, I mean, you know, street pressures too, right? Like on these giant squishy sidewall tires, like, and then no, no heating the tires prior. You know, we'd always try to do a bit of cool down between each session to kind of make it more. Yeah. Know, yeah. Like more balanced. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like I was spinning the tires all the way to the finish line, the demon, <laughs> just trying to find traction, right? Like just trying to keep up to the M5 because the M5 pulls like seven car lengths off the line instantly right. and you're just spinning the tires trying to get the car just fish tailing trying to hook. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and it was cool we have a drone shot i remember like following the drag race and you could literally see two strips behind the demon as it wiggled all the way down wow. the straight you know and uh <laughs> and the reason we did that is because i tried like less throttle more throttle and a bunch of tries and we found the best way was to get just a hint of wheel spin the whole way down and that was the closest race i could get to the m5 wow so i had to get a little bit of wheel spin to kind of get it moving mm. but like I'm trying to get full throttle, you know, at different points. At no point could I go full throttle. And I mean, by the time we crossed the line, it wasn't a full quarter mile because we were using a straightaway. Mm. Not that it would have mattered in that case, but um, I was probably doing somewhere in the neighborhood of 200K, I'm guessing, somewhere in, somewhere around there. I didn't From a dig, not a roll. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, maybe on 180, 200, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. And like I said, you're still spinning the tires a bit if you go, if you mat it. It was awesome. How does so it cool. break though? Because I know it was terrible. Really? Oh, it, was, it was legit scary. The only car I think I've really been scared at lapping. Because, uh, like, obviously, it's got just stupid amounts of power. But remember, on the Demon, they actually undersized the brakes from the regular car because weight savings. And drag race, you don't have to have crazy brakes. Mm. You get the giant runoff at the end of the strip. As we're at Cayuga, you just have a massive hill <laughs> yep. at the end of the track. <laughs> yep. Well, so I remember in the morning, we went and shot, I think, the drag races first, if I remember correctly. So we do that in the second straightaway there. Mm. So we kind of all assembled in the pit, got our stuff going. They're like, hey, let's move out to the second strip and set up the, the, the cameras and everything. Let's Let's start filming. So I hopped in the Demon to drive it out there. Mm. One of my friends uh, hops in with me. And, uh, you know, I just kind of mat it down the straightaway for a bit. And I probably braked like halfway down the straightaway because like I'm not going for a lap yet. So I figured we'd floor it for a couple seconds sort of thing and then braking, you know, go through the corner and park the car. So I start braking and like I'm on the pedal, pedal's firm, but there's just like no bite because the brakes are not big enough. So the car's slowing down, but I mean, I'm going. It's not slowing down fast enough. Yeah. So all of a sudden I'm going, holy shit, I don't know if I'm going to make the corner. Like, I'm thinking, I'm going to write this thing off before the filming day even starts because I'm just being goofy. I'm like, oh, my God. But sure enough, the car did stop in time. You made the corner. But I'm thinking, like, these brakes suck. Like, they don't slow the car wow. down. And I'm going, this thing has, like, 850 horsepower pretty much. And the brakes are, like, on, like, a Civic DX kind of thing. I'm like, <laughs> wow. Like, So I'm seriously sitting there. I'm sitting my friend going, like, I don't know what I'm going to do, man. Like, lapping this today. Like, like this thing doesn't slow down. Yeah, because like, you're driving with two feet, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I'm like, well... Again, it's my job. I'll figure something out. But, and then, yeah, sure enough, first couple laps, I'm like pooping my pants, go around the track, right. going like, you know, like you get down the straightaway, just ridiculous speeds and this thing, yeah, but it yeah. won't slow down. So, like, you're totally just reevaluating your braking points, which you do in every car, but this thing's like, you know, three million feet closer to the corner. Like, I just, oh, I was crazy. Wow. Um, it was an experience, to say the least. It wow. was interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so now, going from dragging, you were going to touch on autocross. Yep. When you, so how was that? Where were we going there? So yeah, so with autocross, basically, that's why I started my, uh, my my motorsports career, really. Uh, I had a Sleeka GTS at the time, uh, 2002, I believe. I'm loving all these Japanese cars, by the way. I'm a big Japanese fan. Yeah, me too. So. I, most of my cars have been Toyotas and things like that, so yeah. it's been great. Good. Um, 
yeah, so I had the same car as my buddy. He had uh, a couple of basic mods to it, um, suspension tires and stuff, but uh, more or less same car. And uh, he was doing really well autocross at the time, winning some championships and stuff. And you know, it was kind of a big, big thing. Right. So one day he's kind of like, hey, you know, come check it out. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, sounds like fun. So I come out to the event, just watch him. And at first, I'm seeing a bunch of cars driving this parking lot and dodging cones. And I'm thinking, this is stupid. Like, like, <laughs> like you know, I was like some street racing king at the time and doing well in drag racing, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, yeah, I'm just yeah. like, oh, I was just dumb. I'd beat them all. And uh, my buddy's like, like winning the events and stuff with his car. And he was a very talented driver, which, you know, I thought it was the time too. But found out pretty quickly I wasn't. But then, um, so he's like, hey, you want to ride shotgun for a run? I'm like, oh, you can do that? He's like, yeah cool let's be cool and i'm thinking like uh, it'd be interesting right like see yeah. what this guy can do and you know go 20 kilometers an hour on pylons so <laughs> hop in he launches the car we're going through the first little section and I'm kind of thinking geez we're going kind of quick i'm like didn't feel that quick from the outside but i'm like okay and up to like the real first kind of sharp corner and there's like the the edge of the parking lot not too far behind it where the mm-hmm, curbing is mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we're coming up to the corner i'm thinking he's not hitting the brakes and like and we're, we're flooring it towards this corner it's a sharp corner i'm thinking wow like there's no way he can stop now. We're too close to the corner. We're going fast. I'm like, well, we're just going to blow this corner and we're going to ramp that curb and he's going to damage his car. But I'm like, you know, we'll be safe. Like, it's, you know, whatever. But I'm mm-hmm. thinking, not my car. And he just dabs the brake, you know, just hucks the car in just beautifully, you know, perfect skill. And just car rotates through and just rips to the corner. And he's already back on the gas before I even know what's happening. <laughs> and we're speeding towards the next corner. And I'm sitting there going like, what just happened there? Mm. Like, like in my mind, he just defied the laws of physics. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I don't know how this happened. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the run was even worse. Like, cause he's picking up speed and just, you know, like just <laughs> handling this car, like, like a pro. And we come across the line. And I'm like, going, I don't understand what just happened. Like I, I'm out of my element. Like, that was magic. Yeah. yeah. And I'm yeah. going, this is a freaking Celica. This isn't like, like some supercar or something. I'm right. like, wow. And I think he set one of the best times at the event that day. And so he was like, Oh yeah, next event, bring your car out and come try it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Like I'm a good driver and I have the same car as him. Like not running that work comp tires, but I'm like, whatever, like, you know, so sure enough, I sign up, come out the next day. I'm kind of nervous, but feeling pretty confident. Cause you know, I, I think I'm good. <laughs> and, uh, sure enough, by the end of the day, like this would have been, I don't know, 70, 80 competitors back then at this event. And there's different classing, of course, right, but right, right. if I remember correctly, I think, you know, regardless of classing, I think I was the slowest car of the day. Wow. I think I was. Yeah. And, and I remember sitting there going like, I don't understand. Like I'd mods to my car, I'd like some horsepower to the wheels. I'd dyno tuned it. Like, you know, I'm like, I got a fast car. And, uh, and yeah, like little stock Miatas were just crushing me. They're like, you know, like seven, eight seconds ahead of me, like on autocross course. That's, that's insane. So I remember leaving that day, just trying to figure out like, like what happened? Like what's wrong? Like mm. I, I couldn't figure out what happened. I literally, I was just like dumbfounded. So I went home. I couldn't sleep that night because I was just like, I don't get it. I signed up for another event thinking, okay, just, just drive faster. Like that was my solution. Drive faster. Mm. Like, I just didn't drive fast enough. You know, and then figure. you were hitting cones. Oh yeah, brutal. Like I was worse. <laughs> I was even worse that day. Exactly, because I'm overdriving the car, yeah. and you yeah, know, yeah, I'm just yeah. doing stupid stuff. And then I'm like, wow. So next event, I signed up because I'm thinking, like, you know, I'm just too stubborn to give up. And uh, I think uh, one of the senior guys throughout the day, one of the like, you know, pro drivers, been there a while. Goes, hey, you know, I see a new guy coming out. Blah blah blah. He's a really friendly guy. So he says to me, like, hey, like, you want me to sit with you and give you some pointers? And I was like, yeah, that'd be cool, man. Because like, you're doing better than I am. So I got to figure out what's going on here. So of course he sat with me and said, you know, do this, try this, blah blah blah, vision that. And then sure enough, throughout the day, I, I actually got quite a bit better. Right? Mm. And I think I was like second last maybe or something like that. I don't know. And uh, then I started going, wow, like there's more to this driving than I thought there was. Mm. So, you know, every event I kept getting pointers from the, the the good drivers and they kept helping me. And by the end of the season, I'd made a big improvement and I wasn't last anymore and was starting to see some progress and started taking some courses and stuff after that. And, uh, you know, and then, and then it really got fun once I started learning how to actually drive, mm. you know, and, and the big takeaway from that I realized was like, you know, unless you've actually taken some sort of um, 
you know, like high performance driver education, you don't know what you don't know, right? Like I said earlier. Um, and that's the thing. Everybody goes, yeah, no, I know. I know. I know what I don't know. And I'm going, yeah, I thought that too. You know, because again, I was doing all the Fast and Furious racing back then. I yeah, was doing yeah, drag yeah. racing and I was winning stuff. I was like winning money and like, you know, I was doing well. Yeah. So I figured I know how to drive, right? Nope, didn't have a clue. I did not have a clue. And I only realized that once once I got exposed to that world. If you've never been exposed to it, you, you don't get it. Hmm. You know, and at Autocross, we see this quite regularly where, you know, it's it's a great event because uh, it's super low cost, low barrier of entry, uh, best way to start motorsports for anybody. It doesn't matter the car you have, you can still be fast. Like I said, I've seen guys in almost stock Miatas winning events and then there's guys in supercars who can win events like you know it's cool mm. it's really down to the driver but um but yeah the neat thing is is like you really learn a lot about driving and, and your car um you know but uh you, you don't we don't understand that until you come out and try it because we always see see new guys every event come out you know and, and sometimes you get guys who are a little bit cocky you know they'll mm. show up in a modded mustang or you know whatever right and and they're like, oh, yeah, this is stupid. I'll come out, do an event, and beat everybody for fun. And then, you know, they always just get annihilated by the guys who've done this for a while. And, uh, you know, some of them come back, a little humble next event and want help. And some of them, you never see them again. Mm-hmm. Right. But the thing they all share is none of them understood what it was about until they did it. Right. Right. And uh, that's why, you know, we, we do what we do is we want to introduce people to that world in a, in a fun, friendly manner. Right. And, you know, it's we always say with uh, Pinnacle, you know, the acronym is, is PADA for the company, you know, Pinnacle Advanced Driving Academy. So I always say, once you take our course, you're part of the Pata family. Mm. Like you're with us for, for, for your car life now. Like we're part of your family. We're, we're going to be there with you. We're going to keep coaching you. We're going to keep helping you. We're going to introduce you to, you know, all our friends and our partners and all the businesses we work with and, and all the events. And, you know, like you're part of our group now, right? So mm. come out, have fun with us, you know, and, and we're all going to do this together and grow and learn together. And, uh, you know, and that, that's, that's the fun part of this, right? When you mm. do it with friends. But uh, yeah, and that, that, that's kind of what I think autocross is really cool about because it is that very easy entry into that world, right? Right. And obviously, I mean, you know, like obviously everybody watching this, I'm sure is a car person and you are obviously, you know, right. it's, we are all part of this really neat community and we're all friends and family because of the, the, the car element. It unites us all, right? And uh, motorsports is just a smaller subsection of that essentially. Right. But the exact same thing, right? So yeah, and that's what makes it so cool, I think, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And you know what? It's... It's hard to tie communities together, but for some weird reason, car communities, they grow and they grow quickly, mm-hmm. especially Absolutely. if it's local. And when when it comes to your, um, when it comes to autocrossing, tracking, correct me if I'm wrong, or I mean, question without a question, do you think tires are probably the most important part of the vehicle? Aside from power, aside from a turbo system, supercharger, whatever you've done for the car, mm-hmm. The first mod you should do if you are modding is tires slash brakes. Yeah. In your case with the demon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're running a lot of power, make sure you have good brakes. But I mean, for me, I found through my experiences that, you know, brakes, sorry, tires were big. They were key because if you're, if you have some third party shitty Korean type of tires that just don't necessarily hook you're going to have a bad day and not only have a bad day in such a way that you're going to lose, mm-hmm. you might kind of get a little squirrely where you can't control the car. Yeah. Um, right? yeah, no, re- really good point. Actually, I mentioned that. And, um, my opinion, if, if, if you're going to track a car, um, for any reason to, to kind of start off generally, I think brakes should be the first thing you should address. Cause let's face it. Um, you know, your average normal like family car, the brakes are going to die in a couple laps. We know that they aren't made to, to be put under that kind of strain. You know, right. they, don't, they don't have the heat dissipation. They don't have the stopping power. Even the fluid in it isn't up to task and so forth and so forth. Or even the rotors. 100%. Yeah. Right. Like the, the whole system is not designed for that kind of abuse. 
like I say, you bring your mom and dad's Toyota Camry out or your own Camry, like it's, it's not going to survive very long on the track. Mm. Um, so yeah, so braking system, but usually, you know what, um, a good pad, some lines and fluid is usually all you have to do initially. And that's mm-hmm. a very small investment. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Mm. And then the car is usually going to be okay. Generally speaking for, for short sessions, you can go out and have fun with it. Um, in terms of the, the tire question, uh, it depends. If you are trying to set lap times to be competitive, yes, tire is is so important. I'm talking about everyday car that mm-hmm. you enjoy during the summer, but nah, you'll take it to the track sometimes. Yep. That's that's what I mean, like an everyday yeah, yeah. type of scenario. Yep. Um, honestly, tires aren't important for learning. Um, in fact, a less grippy tire is better for learning, not for lap times, but for learning because you can reach the limit of that tire at a lower speed and much easier than you can at a grippy tire. Because mm. the whole point is, it doesn't matter how fast you drive a car; it's learning how our car drives at its limits. Right. Like for example, right. a, f- a funny example actually is, is uh, like my Alfa Romeo 4C and the Camaro ZL11 LE. Obviously, I have lots of experience in the 4C. I haven't driven my personal Camaro on track yet, but I've driven lots of clients, and you know, we did episodes on them and stuff. So I have a lot of experience in it. The funny thing is, the 4C um, has like a lower limit in terms of lap time than the Camaro, obviously, but the 4C is a way harder car to drive at 10 tenths than the Camaro is. Right. And regardless of tires or anything, but just because the dynamics of that vehicle, it's short wheelbase, mid-engine. Right, it's a tiny little car. Exactly. The yeah. Camaro's a big boat, right? And it's designed differently. It's got better suspension, blah, blah, blah. Right. So the point is, though, that you know once you understand how a car drives at its limits, the limits don't matter too much. I mean, they do, but... You know, as long as you don't cross them, obviously. Exactly, right? It, yeah. But the point is, you know, to get that limit, you don't want to have to be going 150 through a corner because as you're learning, you'll make mistakes. You mm. make a mistake at 150 and lose the car, bad things happen. You're going through a corner at 75 and you lose it, less likely bad things are going to happen. Mm. So, you know, in fact, with our courses, we always encourage people, if you're a newbie, come in, you know, if, if your car doesn't already have a good braking system and things, upgrade the brakes so I'm not going to die on track. But uh, other than that, no, keep keep the street tires, right? Because mm-hmm. um, they'll last longer than a track tire, too, in terms of tread wear. So you get more life out of them. But it's good because, like I said, you'll slide around some more. You'll learn a lot more. Mm-hmm. you learn how the car behaves at that limit. You know how to understand. We start working on understeer, oversteer, car balance, you know, all kinds of different elements that the, the shittier tires will help you learn on better, mm-hmm. right? Because quite often you'll see a guy going, hey, you know what? I, I want to start doing lapping events or motorsports or whatever. And we get clients who will sign up. You know, yeah, so I want to start doing this. So I bought this Corvette Z06. Uh, I all of a sudden I did supercharger upgrade. I did this. I did tire suspension. So come teach me. And I'm like, I can, but you understand, like, you've never been on track in your life, right? So you have no idea what a car's like at its limits. And then you have this 700 wheel horsepower Z06 with R comps and super stiff suspension. I'm like, your learning curve is going to be ridiculous in this car. Like, like this car is going to kill you. Like, Let me teach you how to fly a plane. That's pretty much what you're yeah. saying. And you've never flown. Literally, yeah. <laughs> like, I can teach you, but it's way harder for you to learn in this package versus right. go get a stock Miata, man. And, like, your learning curve is going to be through the roof. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to pick up stuff so quick because, A, you're not going to be intimidated by the monster you're driving. So right. you can push a bit more comfortably. Right. And you're going to learn a lot more in the process. And you can achieve the limits at a lower limit. So you can go, oh, that's what oversteer feels like. And I can correct it because I'm going 60K. I'm not riding 150 through this corner on race suspension and tires. And especially in our comp, you know, like when you hit that limit of grip, like it's a hard line. Mm. Like you have grip, you have no grip, right? So to learn with that is, is next to impossible. We have a street tire, you know, you, here's your line. And then you start going past it. You just start sliding a bit. You aren't, you aren't screwed yet, right? right, right it's right. great for learning. So, but again, you want to set lap times, start going fast. Tires are so important. It's everything, right? You can have power, you can have brakes and everything. If the tires aren't there, you can't do it, right? Plain and mm. simple. Now, do you guys have... Do you guys have a winter course as well? 
Um, we usually do some stuff up in Minden. This year we didn't because COVID just killed everything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, usually we do a couple of the uh, the days up in Minden on the ice track. Okay. So yeah, we'll go up there and we'll teach people about car control and have fun and slide around at 20 kilometers an hour on the ice. And yeah. it's, it's it's so much fun. Yeah, that's where, I, that's where I learned is just empty parking spaces. Mm-hmm. And that's how I learned oversteer, understeer in winter conditions. So I'm yeah, not yeah. sacrificing brakes and tires. I'm just Absolutely. literally having fun. But you learn so much just by playing. Yeah. And it's crazy then you know exactly what to look for in the cars that you're driving mm-hmm. i mean in my case i drive multiple here and there but yeah you know even in your own car um when you're driving it through the summer you'll learn as soon as you start feeling a little bit of that limit starting yes. to like go when you're going on on ramp like okay i know it's there i gotta ease off a little bit right yep. no that's that's a really good point because you can't replace experience no so it's like you said you go out and you play with it and go oh that's understeer oh it's oversteer as long as you're in a safe way like like I said, that that's king, right? Yeah. So like yeah. the best drive, the the best mod is a driver's mod, hundred percent. Right? Because I 100%. can't, and I'm assuming you you've seen the same thing. I can't tell you how many times I've seen. For example, I have a friend who loves go karting, mm-hmm. who who is his goal this year is to take his S2000 and his is it's not stock, but the engine is. Right. So it's still a natural aspirated 2.2. Uh, no, two liter. It's the AP1. AP1, yeah. And um, he wants to crack, I think, 119. Yep. And I think he's running a 120 or 121 on an S2. Yep. Which is crazy because then you mentioned your 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 4C, you're, you ran a 119. I'm like, that's pretty close. I mean, still seconds away, Yeah. right? But it's... You know the best drive. The best mod is a driver's mod because you'll have. I, I've I've seen guys get you know, in a GTR on the DDT track, getting overtaken by guys that are just like, wait, that's like a third of the power. Yeah. But they're still getting blown like blown away. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So, if you don't know how to drive, I think that that's a great and wise investment, and especially especially on a day to day basis because it'll make you a better driver during the day. Hundred percent. It'll make you more aware. Yeah. Of your surroundings. Yes. And yeah, situational awareness is everything, whether it's street driving, track crazy. driving, and, and we teach that specifically in the course, right? Right. Um, what that is, how to work on it, how to apply it. So um, yeah, no, that's that's a great point, right? And uh, but even the, the driver mod, like you said, that that is everything, right? Mm. Whether it's being safe, whether it's being fast, whether it's being consistent, because that's part of racing too. Yeah. Um, and it's all down to the driver. Because I mean you can be given like the perfect track weapon, but if you don't know how to wield it, well, what's the point, mm. right? Like if I give you a pistol, but you don't know how a pistol works, well, it's not a weapon anymore, is it? Yeah, can't take it apart, can't reload it, can't do anything like that. Right? <laughs> Literally, yeah. So it's the exact same thing. Like one of our our uh, guys on our team, the Pada, one of our instructors, um, he's uh, he's autocross champion more times than probably anybody can count. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's well renowned in the driving community. Um, so he uh, like you throw him in any car, it's just phenomenal the way he can drive. I mean. He's run for years in a, in a bone stock NA Miata, like the NA mean generation, yeah, yeah. but naturally aspirated as well. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, just basically like like tires and that's kind of it. And like he's won so many championships in that car. It's a joke. And he's putting down times in autocross better than like than like real drivers and good cars too. Mm-hmm, the guy mm-hmm. is just like magic, right? And, and um, you know, that's a perfect example of that. Like it's just his driving skill is just uncanny. Like he's mm-hmm. like the set in the Ayrton Senna of like autocross, you know, and he's still good on track to me wrong, but like he's just kind of really cut his teeth in autocross. And, uh, you know, and again, like I'm a very accomplished driver, I have some experience, but still every time I see him drive, it's still just like, mm. wow, that guy's freaking good. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's very cool and inspirational, but it just proves your point that mm. when you really know what you're doing, like 
like it that, changes the game that changes the game like yeah. now you throw him in a really good car and then game over for everybody track else. weapon <laughs> yeah exactly but uh yeah and that's what it's about and it's more fun that way you know because it's, it's not fun when you go out and you're fighting with the car and you're getting frustrated and you're not getting whatever results you're looking for you know mm. but when you learn how to drive you can go and have fun you can do it safely too you're not going to spin out every track day um you know, cause that's the thing. If you're driving something like a really nice sports GT3, you don't want to spin it in the weeds and DB the tire. Not a big deal, but still, right. you know, you're at most sport GP and you put it in the wall and write it off. Like nobody wants to do that to a $300,000 car. Mm-hmm. But again, if you know what you're doing, you can go out and have fun and, and you know, knock on wood, you bring your car home right, right, right. <laughs> in one piece. Well, you, you also mentioned track weapon and I'm assuming a Porsche is going to be on there. I don't know, but mm-hmm. do you have a top three? And that's a hard question just because I know you've been exposed to a lot of seat time in a lot of different cars. But do you have top three for track weapon? And I don't know how to categorize it, whether it's best track time or most fun or yeah. what have you. Um, but mean, you're I've, just top three. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of ways again you can classify that. I mean, right. the way I always look at it, I really enjoy um, stuff like the GT3 RS because it's, it's still not a purpose-built race car. Mm. It still is a road car, right? At the end of the day, so there has mm-hmm. to be some compromises built into it. But, you know, with the modern cars, it's so cool the way you can make them still so, so much like a race car, like the mm-hmm. GT3S being kind of the typical example, of course, because, you know, you drive one, and it's just the engine, the transmission, and the way it goes through corners, like it, it feels like a race car, but it's still not a race car. It's still a right. road car at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, you know, and it doesn't even feel like a sports car. It does feel still more like a race car. Mm-hmm. Now, the Camaro is the one, same thing, you know, it's like that. So I would say, you know, running off that kind of criteria, I guess, like a street legal race road car. Because um, I would say like the GT3S has always been a bucket list car. Unfortunately, it slid my budget. Otherwise, I would have bought that instead of the Camaro. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. Um, you know, one day, still, we'll see if I can get one. Um, so GT3S for track cars is kind of right up there on top of my list, obviously. Mm. Um, the Camaro actually has been one of the ones I've always respected and always, like, you know, lusted after since I first drove one years ago. Wow. So I'm, I'm very happy that I was able to get one now. Because, um, again, it's that, like the GT3S. It's very... It's, it's a road car, but still very race car-like. Right, right, you know, right. So it's cool. The stiffness does... Actually, you don't have too much. You, you haven't sat in it enough to know if it's stiff, like way too stiff. The Camaro? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've driven them on the road and everything too. Oh, yes. you have? Yeah, yeah. So, so I would, you don't mind how stiff they are? Because I know that they're probably one of the stiffest cars I've ever driven in my life. They're, they're pretty bad, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is, though, it's still way better than the 4C, right? Because the 4C is almost as stiff. Really? But it's like a 2,300-pound carbon tub. So every bump you come over, it just feels like the car's going to fall apart. Like it's so lightweight. Mm. The Camaro at least has the mass behind it. So right. it feels like it dampens it better somehow. Right, it's kind of right, hard right. to explain. But um, other way, like it's still not the best daily driver. <laughs> no. But it's, it's my track toy. So like I'll do the odd cruise with it, I suppose. But most of the time, it's driving it to the track, having my fun, and driving it home. Mm. So, you know, it is what it is, right? Right. Again, I have a nice daily. I can drive every day if I want to be comfortable. It's fine, right? Right, right, right. Um, but no, so like I would say, the GTRS, the Camaro, and then uh, the other car I, I would absolutely love if, if budget allowed would be the Viper ACR. Like that thing is still like top of my list. That's probably, if I had the choice out of the three and money was an object, I think I would go with the Viper because it, uh, it's 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 funny because like you mentioned Viper earlier and you drive the other Vipers, they're very good sports cars. And on track, they're, they're pretty good. You usually need a pretty decent alignment. Otherwise, they're kind of a little wonky. Mm. But um, they still feel like big, heavy sports cars. Like yeah. they're, they're fun, they're cool, but... You drive an ACR yeah. and like you swear to God, it's not a Viper. It feels like a friggin' Hyper Miata or something. Like the handling characteristics are it's dramatically insane. different. And yet it's funny because even if you go up to the the Viper, uh, was it the, the T, I believe, which is the one below the ACR. Mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. I think it's called TA if I remember correctly. Like that's supposed to be the more tracky version of the Viper, if you will. Right. And even that one still feels like 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 a Viper that's just been kind of tuned a bit. Right. It's, it's good. But you know what I mean? It's, it's heavy. It's a little awkward. And, um, but the ACR doesn't feel like that at all. And that's why I remember the first time I drove one, I was shocked. 
because I'd driven all the other iterations, you know, before. And I'm mm-hmm. okay, ACR is just you know faster version of this, right? And then no, like first corner, you huck it in, you're like, this. well, it's got a lot of downforce, a lot of canards. It, it does. It does have a lot going for it. Yep. But the funny thing is, it's not even that. The first time I drove one was actually at uh, Cayuga. So no downforce happening there really? really. And even through a tight infield section, the car is just very light and nimble. It just like rotated beautifully, hmm. puts the power down better than the other Vipers. Like, and mechanically it's not a world of difference between the other Vipers and the ACR, mm-hmm. but like it felt like a completely different car. And that's why I was shocked. Right. right so right. I spent the whole day getting to mess around with it at TMP. And, and like by the end of the day, I was like, this thing is incredible. And the lap times you could put that thing are just like mind numbingly stupid. Yeah. And, and again, it's not, a race car it's still technically street legal like it's built like a race car but you know what i mean it's not like a like um like a radical or something like that where right. it's, it's a race car right? right 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 so yeah like it was just and it was actually fun to drive like the vipers not that they're not fun but they're not like that special that engaging they're just mm. cool the acr was a hoot like i had so much fun driving it like i couldn't believe it so i was like if i could afford one that that would be my number one hmm. for sure that's a good list so it's primarily north american which is weird because I'm not a domestic guy. That's why I started telling people yeah. too that know me. I'm like, I bought a Camaro. And they're like, no, for real, what'd you get? And I'm like, <laughs> Camaro. But the funny thing is, is I've been telling like my family and stuff. Like, I'm like, no, no, I bought a ZL11LE. And they're like, oh, what's that? Like, you know, aren't car people, right? Yeah. And I'm like, it's, 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 um, I don't want to use the C word, but it's a Camaro. And they're like, <laughs> you bought a Camaro? Like, what the heck? They're like, like you've owned Porsches and stuff. And you bought a Camaro? Yeah. And I'm like, no, but hear me out before you, you judge me. Like, <laughs> yeah, And then you got to go into the spiel. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, the new six gen platform, the chassis is really good. And then the one LE is special. And they're, you know, and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Just whatever. Have fun with it. And what's your daily? Uh, I have a 2018 uh, Mercedes C300. Nice. Yeah. Cooper sedan. Uh, Coop. Hard to find. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of rare. One of the reasons I kind of got it. I like yeah, having yeah. kind of more rare cars, as you can tell so by So, yeah, my, I was my... just going to say, you, you do like your oddballs. <laughs> I but, do, yeah. But, like, the good oddball. I don't know if that's looked at a bad thing, but no. <laughs> yeah. I like, my, I like my kind of different type of vehicles, but yeah, I myself am primarily German and Japanese. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of like. cars, like, I know you have the um, S2000. Yeah. Yeah, so, again, let's, uh, like, I mean, speaking of... of have you driven one? Oh, many times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Modded stock ones, everything. Um, but uh, I mean, and to be honest, for fun factor, it's still right near the top of my list. Really? Yeah. But of everything I've ever driven, I'm talking like supercars, everything. Because, uh, you know, very much like the 4C, um, it, it's very raw. It's very engaging. I mean, mm. obviously, you know, like the engine alone is a very special piece of the car. Yes. You know, have that super high revving four banger and you're just getting pulled to the seat more and more. The RPMs climb it. It's, it's, it's a very, especially nowadays, a very unique experience when everything's mm-hmm. turbocharged, right? Yeah. Or nowadays electric actually. <laughs> yeah. We're getting there. Yeah. But... Let's ignore that one. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, like the S2000 is a very special car. Like, like when that car came out, I don't think everybody fully appreciated it was, I think just because the price point, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, but thing is too, and what you had mentioned with your, your friend earlier about trying to crack the TMP time with his, it's a car that with the right driver, like it's it's a lot faster than it should be, which is kind of very much what Honda and the Type R badge has kind of always done through history as punches above its weight class. Right. This 2000 isn't a Type R, but the point is it still follows that, that ethos that on paper, you're like, it should do this, but in the hands of a good driver, you're like, well, whoa, this is like more than just the sum of the parts. Like how, how did it do a lap time? How did it do that? Mm. And this 2000 is very much a car like that. And the best thing is it puts a huge smile on your face while doing it. And that's what makes that car so special. Well, it's the engine placement, right? Like mm-hmm. it's technically mid-engine. because front mid-engine, yep. Right, front mid-engine. Yep. So the, the whole front end is just emptiness, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's just, it's still small, but bigger than a Miata. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's got, it. I love the way it looks. I yep. love everything about it's it. classic styling. And here's a good one for you. Do you think that the key to true happiness would be, I mean, everybody at the end of the day wants a fast car and whatnot, but when you've experienced it all, 
Would you agree that it's not the trick to have a fast car? It's to have a car that feels fast. Because I find that this, when I first got, when my wife came back from her cottage the first night, I wanted to take her out in it. Yeah, yeah. And we started driving it. And just down the road, she's like, babe, slow down, slow down, slow down. I was like, why? She's like, you're doing it. And she looks, I'm only doing 40. And she's like, oh. Yeah, because the sound of the engine, everything, you're like, oh my God, you're flying. Yeah, and yeah she's yeah. like, I thought you were doing like 65. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just the way it feels. And even when I'm yes. cruising on the highway, I feel like everyone's passing me. I'm like, is everyone going 160? And then I look down, I'm like, oh, 120. Hmm, yeah. Not bad. Yeah. But no, it's exactly, it's the experience, right? Like the car yeah. feels fast. It's engaging. It's exciting. It's the sounds. It's the feel. Mm. I mean, this car, the wind in your hair. And you know, at the end of the day, that, that's the same as me. That's why I bought the 4C. Like I said, for that kind of money, when I bought it, I could have bought a way faster car. Right. Like, there's so many choices. But they don't do that that kind of ex- delivery of the experience, just like the S2000. Same right. thing. Where, I mean, you know, for, for the money, especially brand new, those things were expensive. Mm. You can buy a way faster car. And but, they're still stupid. They're going up now. It's I, I know it's ridiculous, but there's a reason uh, for that. That's the thing, and that's what we're talking people about. People are realizing what a special car it is and how unique it is, and the smile it puts in your face. Because yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody wants something different out of their car, and, mm. and that's what makes the car world fun. Some people just like the look. Some people want it to be stanced out. Some people want to go fast. Mm. Some people just want the experience, like it, you know. And, and that's what makes it fun. That there's so many, especially nowadays. There's a lot of cool stuff out there right now, right? Like, so and the S2000 is, you know a very special car from a time kind of almost forgotten, right? Like the high revving engine naturally aspirated and one of the best six speed manuals out there period ever made. Like, you know, it's, it was a it's really almost gated. Oh, it's beautiful. And the way it just snicks into gear and the throw is perfect and the clutch is nice. And, and even like, you know, like the way the car rotates and balances itself, like it's just everything about the car is a true driver's experience. It just mm. talks to you and works with you. Right. It's like, a, like a ballet around the track. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, so, you know, Honda really created something special with that. And that's what makes that car so cool. And the cool thing, let's face it, it's 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 kind of bulletproof. Like you know, you can Duh. track the snot out of it, rev nine thousand RPM all day, and, and the car takes it and, and and you know puts a smile on your face in the process, and pff, you're done, right? right? It's uh, yeah. So I mean, it's really cool. You got that. I've always wanted to get an S two thousand. It's just never worked out timing and budget and various other things. But yeah, it's, it's a cool car. I got it after things have kind of settled down after the first wave of COVID. Mm-hmm. I guess you could call it. Yeah, and yeah. then I told myself if I get out of this, and then we're okay with all the things that went down. I'm going to, yep, yep. I'm going to get it, which I did. So yeah. I'm choice. glad that I did. It's an AP two. It's an 08, one of the last years. And yep, yep. I think 08 and 09 were the hardest ones to find because they've significantly lowered the production, especially for 09. Yes. But, um, <clears throat> no, I love that car. Yes. Yeah. And I'm still torn. Like I, I took it to Cayuga actually. Mm-hmm. And she was very, very squirrely just because it's got Eagles on the tires. So it was owned by, owned by a corporate guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And nothing against the guy, but he he just bought it to just enjoy it for a little bit here and there, right? Just so like driving the street <clears> and stuff, right? So, yeah. Um, I know I want to put some stickier, you know, softer compound tires on, but yes, you know, am I going to upgrade brakes? Do I want to lower it? Do I want to put an intake on it? Slippery slope, my friend. <laughs> I know, but you know what? It's so hard to find them unmolested, but it's yeah. so hard not to touch it because it's just, I can yeah. make you look and yep. sound so much better. But Absolutely, I know. Uh, You're stuck in the middle of going, geez, what do I do? So I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do, but yeah, my the next car on my horizon, I think if I'm going to be adding a third would be the 350R. Before. Yeah. And I, I mean, and the people that know me when they say, wait, you want a Mustang? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yep. it's insanity. But I, I mean, I went through this with, with my brother the other day and we're talking about what cars we would have in our garage. Mine is primarily Japanese just yep. because of how reliable they are, how great they sound, how timeless they look, how great they look. Yes. And the fact that 
they don't have to be fast so you can enjoy them. The experience that they provide you is that's what matters. Good enough. Yes. Right. So, and that's with the 350R. It'll annoy a lot of people just by turning <laughs> it on. But yes. also, you know, the Recaros, the shifter, the yeah. little you know switches inside, and then like you said, the engine. Yes. Right. And engine then, makes that car. So that's my goal at least. But um, it's a good goal. It's a good yeah. goal. I fully support that goal. And again, from, from another like, you know, um, non-domestic car guy to, you know, it's same thing. Like, like I said, the Camaro for me was, I would, five years ago, you're going to buy a Camaro from now. I'd be like, whatever, dude, like dream on, like, yeah, yeah. come on. Like, and again, the sixth gen Camaro is a very good sports car. And I recognize that too, but I'm still like, I don't want a Camaro. Yeah. But once you start experiencing some of the stuff that's coming down, like, you know, Ford and GM and some other guys now, it's like, no, this is like a really good car mm. like it's engaging even the interiors like i have to admit like even the mustang it's still not the nicest here in the world no but it's still a nice place to be right and same with the camaro i remember i was sitting in it we were filming at uh, safe auto um in oakville where my car is stored right now and we were doing some filming for the channel so at the end of the day i went and kind of sat in the car for a minute because i'm like just dying to get it out and i'm sitting in the car looking around and going this is actually like a nice interior like it's a camaro it's a gm product but like the fit and finish is pretty good. Like it feels kind of nicer and classy. It's like mm. not as nice as my Mercedes, but you're still like, wow, like this, yeah, isn't, yeah. this isn't like it used to be. It's not, yeah, it's not plastic. It's not a Hot Wheel toy anymore. Right, exactly. Yeah. And the Shelby is the same way. Like it's a nice place to be actually when you're sitting there, you know, it's, uh, you know, like I said, in the handling, they actually corner good now. Mm. They get good brakes on them. I mean, they never had problems with engines per se. They always made power, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but now mm -hmm. you can actually use the power on a road course. So it's a very compelling argument. And like I said, in the Shelby, and this is one of the things that was, making me so torn is because again like we talked about the engine you know you'll never ever ever be able to get a high revving v8 nasty aspirated like performance thing like that ever again really no no i, I know it's going to become something that's going to be highly sought after and eventually yeah. instead of it doing this it'll start doing this absolutely and that's another thing that you touch on is i think that every enthusiast even though we're for those who who can actually kind of be self-aware and tell themselves I'm biased towards X, Y, and Z brand. Mm -hmm. And if they can get some seat time in other cars and other brands and kind of get exposed, mm -hmm. that's where they can truly get surprised. Because I, for one, I, again, I'm not a, I'm not a domestic guy. I'm, I'm not a fan of American, but yeah. more and more are piling on my list now. And I'm like, shit, <laughs> like, what do I do? Yeah. I'm known as Japanese and German, but now yeah. I'm like, eh, one of my dream cars is now a Mustang, which I which not, just, yeah. You're sitting there going like, wait, did I just say that? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's true. Like I said, like we're actually living in a time where there's a lot of really cool sports car offerings out there from, from everywhere, right? Like, you know, mm. American, Japanese, European, doesn't matter. There's some really cool stuff. Um, but I think this is going to be the last wave for, in my opinion, anyway, I mean, right or wrong, true and car enthusiasts where we're going to have to Because we're going electric. Yeah. And I mean, again, through my job, I've driven all the Teslas and all the new stuff kind of the pipe. And I mean, straight line, they're ridiculous. No, like, uh, the, the, you can't even breathe half the time you're accelerating. It's pretty cool stuff. But around a road course, yeah, they'll still put down a good lap time with some minor tuning and a little bit of suspension. And, and you know, and there's examples out there already of that, like the Model 3s and right, right, Sash right. and other people. But it's, um, again, like for me, and not everybody agrees with me, but it's the experience. That's, that's what I really want out of a car mm. nine times out of 10. And, and the EVs do not deliver that at all. Like For now. True. For true, now. But I still don't see it doing that anytime soon. I could hard. be wrong. It's hard because you know what? I, I'm, 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 I'm curious to see what the new Tesla Roadster is going to be like because it's... It's supposed to be something that's mind bless, you know, mind blowing on the track as well. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's you know, it's. I find that the GTR, the Nissan, like the R thirty five GTR, yep. started it all. 
like the horsepower roars, yeah. which then led into electric. Yeah. Because prior to that, everything was raw, not as yeah. electric, not the as GTR everything. GTR was the first Gran Turismo car that came out. Like, yes. And by Gran Turismo, I mean, it doesn't feel like you're really driving the car. The car kind of is driving right. itself in a sense. And it's yeah. got higher output of horsepower, especially if you look into the AMS Alpha mm -hmm. GTRs and so on and so forth. And that's yep, where yep. people are like, you know what? Maybe we should start adding more power. So to see a yeah. new car like the 350R, mm -hmm not have as much horsepower as the Camaros and the GT500, for example, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But it's still so highly kind of, you know, yeah. sought after. It's it's nice. It's a breath of fresh air. Absolutely. In today's is. day and age with horsepower wars going on. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Because so. like I said, the Camaro supercharged makes tons of torque. I mean, you know, everything's hybrid now. And and even the Tesla Roadster. Well, a good example is the new, uh, the, the, the Porsche Taycan, right? Right. Yeah. Um, like, so I've driven one of those in track and it's interesting. The handling of it is just really good after have shockingly yeah, good yeah. and i mean this thing's what like five thousand plus pounds if i remember correctly like it's mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. it's like a it's a house you're driving down the right. track it kind of feels heavy it kind of doesn't like you feel the weight but it's pretty agile for its weight so it's kind of like eh so it does feel like a porsche in that sense like around the track it feels very good the brakes work good like you know it's it's very sporty mm. i mean the acceleration is bonkers of course it's ev but again when you drive it like it's not like i go wow i get out and you're just tingling and going wow like like I get more excited driving an S2000 around track and pushing that and, and rowing the gears and keeping the RPMs up. And it's a, it's an experience and it's very engaging where the Porsche, you just mad it, bounce it to the corner. Like the sound isn't there. You're not really rewarded. Like it's, mm. it's not the same, you know? And again, some people I'm sure don't agree with that. And that's yeah. cool. And downloading a soundtrack of an engine won't <laughs> fix that. I know. That's what I mean. <laughs> like, cause the cool thing with S2000, let's face it, like with the higher payment engine, you have to work to keep the RPMs up all the time on the track, right? right? If you want to make it move. Right. That's part of the experience. You have to work and you have to earn that lap time, right? Mm. And then, you know, especially in the AP1s, everybody complains about the back end being so squirrely and losing control. Well, that's good because then again, when you're going through a corner, you have to balance the car. You have to do it right. And, you know, it's not that you can't. Like, it's not like an impossible car to drive. Versus a computer doing it for you. That's it. Like a GTR. Like, you just put it in track mode, mat it through a corner, and, like, all the modern McLarens are like that. Like, you can get the average driver in a McLaren. They'll do a 115 at TMP in a McLaren. <laughs> like, and you're like, and you watch the guy driving, and you're going, wow, like, you don't know what you're doing. But because the car is so good now, yeah. when you put it, like, in the track mode, the car will save you in the corners. It'll balance the car. It'll, yeah. it'll, it'll do everything for you. Yeah. You know, and the guy's like, yeah, look, I'm fast. Like, and I'm sitting in the passenger seat, like coaching the guy and going like, dude, you're not like, tell you what, turn everything off and try to duplicate that 115. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. You're going to crash in the first corner. I guarantee it. Like, yeah, 100%. And I, I'd be terrified to take a McLaren out on a racetrack. Cause all I could think about is, you know, 600 K. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what am I yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah. That happens sometimes when I take clients cars out, They're like, here, go show me what this will do. And I'm like, uh, okay, yeah. what happens if I put it in a while? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. uh, yeah. But you know, at the end of the day, I've realized like, you know, once you start learning how to drive, I mean, driving is driving. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, honestly, yeah. I find a stock Miata is no different than a McLaren in terms of the way they drive. I mean, mm. it is, don't be wrong. Right. But I mean, but like understeer is understeer, oversteer. You just have to learn, you know, what makes this car turn? You know, how does it behave under braking? How much mm. power can you put down? Mm. You know, after two laps, you figure it out and then whatever, right? Like, and it's driving is driving. So the McLaren is a little bit faster than mm -hmm. Miata, mm -hmm. you know, just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's not like it, it's, it's like, wow, I can drive a Miata 10 tenths. But then, you know, I, I can't drive the McLaren 10 tenths. It's not really like that. Like once mm. you know how to understand the limit of a car, it, that's the way it is. Right. Unless you have something like with some weird setup with the cars, got some really weird quirks, which I've driven sometimes. But, you know, it's just you have to be a little more careful because when you make a mistake, the speed is going to amplify that mistake. That's the only real big thing. Of course. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that being said, funny enough, though, the McLarens, though, even though they do have those really good systems, 
I have to admit, there's still a very good driver's car for a modern supercar. Because a lot of them are, I find nowadays, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Most modern supercars are ridiculously fast, but they're too easy to drive. And they aren't really an engaging experience. Mm-hmm. The McLarens still are, though. I love driving McLarens on track. They still feel very raw, very pure. Mm-hmm. That They have that good steering feel. Well, it's because of engine placement, I think. Because they're they're at the very, very... Obviously, they're at the very, very back. But instead of your traditional, okay, let's work on it from the top. Yeah. Even if they're changing the oil, I'm pretty sure they have to put it on a hoist and drop the engine. Because I it's mounted so McLaren, some right, them, yeah. yeah, they're mounted at the very, very back. So you get that perfect weight distribution with that weight just very, very low. I'm sure that's part of it too, um, absolutely. Oh, there's more, oh, there's, way more I mean, factors. I way mean, more than a, we know, obviously. It's like the Rolls-Royce comfort <laughs> level of a track car as well. That's another thing. Like it's when, true. When I, was, uh, when I was with Chris Green um, in, uh, in McLaren Toronto, he's like, I think we were in a, uh, I forget what we were in. I want to say it's a 570. Mm-hmm. And he said, hit that speed bump doing 60. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, seriously, I don't want to like, no, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't do that in my car, let exactly. alone a McLaren. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 shut up, do it. And yeah, then yeah. I do it. It just, yeah. And you're like, what the heck? You're like, am I driving like a, like a Lexus or like a pickup truck? Yeah. And then around the track, you put in track mode and it's like, it's phenomenal too. Stiff. Yep. Yeah, it's exactly. Insanity. And it'll like rattle your, your, your teeth out, right? But uh, yeah, the modern like suspension systems are ridiculous that way, right? Like yeah. it's, uh, again, technology, right? Yeah. It's scary stuff nowadays. <laughs> uh, Colin, my friend, we have run out of time. Cool. But last minute, do you want to plug anything while we're finishing up? Uh, well, yeah, sure. So I guess, first of all, thanks so much for having me on. I really yeah, appreciate the pleasure, opportunity man. to be here and, and, you know, chat with another cool car guy. I love that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, get to share my crazy points of view with everybody yeah that's good (laughs) and then obviously again pinnacle advanced driving academy so again uh, you know we specialize in getting people on track and getting uh you know uh, into the world of performance driving so anybody out there that has a sports car and ever wanted to get on track or or, you know any form of motorsports obviously that's what we specialize in come out lots of courses and stuff check us out on facebook or website pinnacle advanced driving academy we um have courses for beginners all the way through to advanced time attack like competitors everything in between we you know we have a good roster of instructors who are all champions in different fields of motorsports so they can show you some stuff for sure um so yeah everybody come out and do that part of our pata family and i guess the other thing is yeah check out uh, track attack canada on youtube it's our, our new thing we started up this season we have six episodes of our premier show nice. we're filming a uh, little interim show uh to get us through the winter before we start season two of track attack mm-hmm. we're uh in safe auto uh which is a car storage facility in oakville mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they store some of the freaking coolest cars you can imagine and we're doing little tiny review clips just kind of being up and close personal reviews of these cars like mm-hmm, three to five mm-hmm. minute clips yeah uh we were filming a ford gt the other day for example like one of the <gasps> old ones like the like the 2005 2006 ones oh even those super cool yeah um, you know, we, we have a bunch of other really special cars coming up. I can't say too much right now, but, uh, you know, some really neat stuff. So check that out and you can kind of get up and close and personal with some of these cars and, and I'll share some of my, my opinions on them and, and the quirks about them. It's fun stuff. So, uh, yeah, check that out. And, uh, I guess obviously like, and subscribe this channel and make sure you keep checking out the other cool guests Boom. that'll be coming out. Yeah. Thanks man. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks so much for having me out. Appreciate it. All right. Cheers. Take cool. care guys. <laughs>